Yeah, I didn't go over that list with him, so I just told him that it would be fair um, at the very least. So, okay. Uh, so as I talked about uh, in uh, in the precursor to this, um, you know, every once in a while, it's usually around the first of the year, uh, but every once in a while, I uh, like to help us be reminded about who we are here. What is the heart what is the heart of conduit? What is uh, what is distinctive? What is distinctive about conduit? And uh, in a way, I will tell you, uh, in a little bit of a, like uh, some personal trouble that I, that I have with this, um, and you're going to hear more about this as we go along, I don't like to talk about what is distinctive about conduit or what it, the heart of conduit is as a way to play a comparison game with another church or another ministry a church that you've come from or a church that you go to or your home church or a church that you have experience with at all. Um, it seems a little, it, as always seems, and some, in some regards it seems a little silly to talk about what is distinctive or what is the heart of conduit. Because um, I believe and I think that the heart of every church that proclaims Jesus Christ as their Lord, that, that follows Jesus, that, that proclaims, him, proclaims him as, as Savior over all, um, Messiah, right, should, should be, like, they shouldn't be too distinctive across the board, right? Jesus is Lord, that is both the beginning of the sentence and really the end of the sentence, what I really mean is that it should be relatively self-evident to anyone reading Scripture uh, that the church, the Christian church, all Christian churches should be focused, aimed, pointed at, however you want to say it, in one direction and one direction only, and that is glorifying, proclaiming, exalting, and magnifying Jesus Christ. And it is that one thing that unites us in spirit. All believers, all Christians, through all time, in every time, in every geographical place, um, no matter what language we speak, no matter what the color of our skin is, no matter where we grew up, no matter what country we are in. And so at Conduit, we wanted to make sure that we that we never missed the opportunity to ensure that everyone knew what we were all about. We wanted to make sure that it never got lost in a sea of other, like, preferential or opinionated things, and that we always maintained our, uh, the number one core value, and our number one core value is this, that Jesus is everything, and the gospel of Jesus Christ changes it all. See, when I was really young, uh, and when I say young, I mean like 15, 16, when I was first kind of discerning 
a call into ministry. All right, I, I had, um, I had what I thought was a, was a kind of, was a kind of like I, I thought it was normal. I'm learning um, in life experience and in ministry experience that there that this maybe isn't so normal. That I had this crazy, crazy idea that um, the gospel of Jesus Christ actually does have the power to change everything. I mean, that, that expressing and, and, and putting your faith in Jesus Christ, surrendering your life to him, um, walking in discipleship of, well, with him, being, being ministered to and discipled by the Holy Spirit, um, of getting into God's word, um, that, the, that the good news of Jesus Christ actually does have the power to change my life. And it has the power to change the person's life sitting next to me. And it has the power to free people from addiction. It has the power to free people from anger. It has the power to change the direction and trajectory of entire families, entire households. It has the power to change the direction of uh, entire businesses, entire cities, that the power uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to change whole regions, that when, that when individual people begin to believe in and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel of Jesus Christ, that things actually do change. And not just like a lip service, like, oh yeah, things will change, but actually seeing the manifestation of things change as people surrender their lives and their hearts to Jesus. And I believed that early on, and by God's grace, I still believe it today. Because I say by God's grace because the, the world, and sometimes even our faith, and I mean faith in the generic term, will try to beat that reality out of us. That the gospel of Jesus Christ is not actually enough to change things. But that we, you, you, you also need, you know, um, maybe a, a self-help seminar, or like you've heard me say a lot of time, Oprah's book club over here, right? Or you just need to make small little tweaks and adjustments to your life, and then eventually the, the details will all line up, and as long as you get all the, the uh, I's dotted and the T's crossed, you'll be, you'll be okay, but it doesn't actually require a full-scale surrender to the work of Jesus in your life. And I, I just both in my personal faith and belief, but also just via experience of watching this reality in people's life, is that the small tweaks over time simply do not bring us to a point of actual, applicable, real-life change. <laughs> what actually requires, what it actually requires is the gospel of Jesus. And so for my entire ministry, I have believed that and thought that and tried to uphold that number one core value, both in my like organizational leadership, 
but also in like my personal interaction with you and with people in our community um, that, that um, I don't want to self-help you or tweak the details of your life if you come to me as your pastor, what I want to do is to present to you the power of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ, surrendering your life to him, allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you with new life so that you become a new creation in Christ, not a new creation of Cameron's best three tips to get it all right. right. And what I've found at Conduit is that uh, I, I've, I've found fertile soil for that, for that belief. And so, and so I will tell you, as long as I am your pastor, by God's grace, as long as I am your pastor, um, our number one core value will be forever and ever, amen, that Jesus Christ is everything and that the gospel changes it all. And we will do everything else based off of that number one core value. Because that's our number one core value, I think it requires us to understand something about who we are as we gather together. We are a Jesus community. I know that may like be kind of like a hippie way of talking about church, right? I don't really care, right? Um, we are a Jesus community. We are not a purveyor of religious goods and services. Okay? We are not a purveyor of religious goods and services. We are not a supernatural or spiritual vending machine, okay? We are at the very heart of it, a Jesus community. We embrace the mission and ministry of Jesus as a first priority for our lives together. You say, well, what is the, what is the mission and ministry of Jesus? We're not, we are not left unaware of what Jesus came to do and who Jesus came to be. For all, uh, through, all, all, throughout, all throughout recorded history and scripture, um, uh, in the Old Testament, in the prophets, in the New Testament, the mission and ministry of Jesus has been very clear. So let's start in the Old Testament, right? The prophet Isaiah, who we often consider to be the messianic prophet, right? He is the, the prophet in the history of Israel that proclaimed and spoke uh, most often about the coming work of the Messiah, about the coming person of the Messiah. And very famously in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3, he said this about who the Messiah would be. He said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for all those who grieve in Zion, 
to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That sounds to me like wholesale, 100%, the ministry and mission, the gospel of Jesus changing things, right? Going from um, bestowing on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Now, not so coincidentally, then, in the Gospel of Luke, we come to this place um, we come to this place where, where Jesus walks into the temple, pulls a scroll out of the shelves, right? Opens it up, reads Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has called me to preach good news to the poor, to, to profess release from bondage and addiction, a release from, from, uh, from bondage, to bind up the brokenhearted, to give freedom from the captives. And, he, and then he closed the scroll, he shoved it back, I'm just, you know, this is in my mind, right? Shoves it back in the, shoves it back in the shelf, and then says this. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your presence. Essentially, that and whom Isaiah spoke about. As as the spirit of the sovereign Lord coming to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set captives free, to release people. Jesus is like, that's me. That's what I'm about. That's why I have come. Today in your hearing, this word has been fulfilled. Now, if we wanted to take even a more clear picture, Jesus several times throughout the Gospels would proclaim why he came, what he was there for, what his life was all about. For instance, Luke chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. I preached on Zacchaeus, I don't know, a month or two ago. And this is right at the end of the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is the son of Abraham. And then verse 10, Jesus reminded those who were listening, and maybe it's a reminder for you and I today as we have maybe lost our way or lost our understanding or have never been told even. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. That, that the basis of even Jesus' own understanding of why, uh, of, of his purpose, the reason that he came, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost, right from the proverbial horse's mouth. I've come to seek and save those who are lost. Now, you may be sitting here and be like, well, I'm not lost. I, you know, I've been, I've been following Jesus my entire life. Or I, I, have a very, I have a very vibrant faith. Or so on. Like, does Jesus, is Jesus for me? Right? Does, has Jesus come to, 
to, be, to, to, to minister to, to me? Has he come for me? And Jesus tells this great parable in Luke, chap, Luke chapter 15, which we have come to know as the parable of the prodigal son, or the parable of the lost son, right? Where he tells this story that kind of illustrates, right, how, um, how at the, the base and foundational level of all of our lives, right, we are all lost. We are, we are actually all in need of saving. Right, that there, there, there is no one for which Jesus has not come. You think of it, we, we think of the parable of the prodigal son, and we think of the son that, that um, left the father, right? Said, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want anything to do with anything that you are. Give me what, my share of the estate, and I'm going to leave, right? And then we get this like, beautiful picture of the son coming to this place of repentance and coming to this place of like, coming to his senses and, and wanting to return to the father but not knowing the, the type of like reception that he would get, right? And of course, he comes back to the Father, and the reception that he gets is not one of shame, is not one of condemnation, is not one of guilt, is not one of, a, I can't believe you left me and abandoned me, don't ever come back, you're not worthy of my love, but it's like a, sees him coming from even a far distance away, like, and just starts booking it down the proverbial driveway, throws his arms around his son who has returned and then throws a big celebration for him, right? And when we think of Jesus coming to seek and save that which was lost, we think of that kind of scenario, right? Walked away from the Lord or was never close to the Lord, never had any interest in that, or just was totally like, I don't want anything to do with that at all. But then, in some way, shape, or form, like the Holy Spirit works upon that person's life and they turn, right? And they see for the first time, expecting shame, expecting condemnation, expecting guilt, and what they find is just the biggest hug of grace and love and welcome back into the family that they've ever experienced before. And be like, well, yeah, that's what it's all about, right? But that's not my story, I've been a Christian my whole life. I've never walked away from the Lord. I've never gone in a different direction. I've always been here. I've, I've, I've always been faithful to the Lord. I've, I've always been established. Well, guess what? There, there's another son <laughs> in that parable. Right? It's the son that stayed. One son abandoned the father, said, I don't want anything to do with you, and ran away. Right? The other son stayed. Worked hard. Was faithful to his father. Just like hung in there. And when the, when the lost son comes back and a big party is thrown, you begin to see how actually lost the son that stayed was. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't lost because he stayed. He was lost because he stayed. Well, you never did any of that. No, you never threw any parties for me. You never killed the fattened calf. You never gave me a robe. You never put a ring on my finger. I stayed and I worked and I strived and I was the best little boy 
that you could possibly ever want. I did all things right. I did no things wrong. And what, like, don't I deserve all that he has gotten? And what the, son, what the father essentially says to the son is like, look, you're both lost. You're both lost. One of you believed over here that by just being the good son and doing the right things and avoiding the wrong things, that, you, that, 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 that somehow earns you the favor, the blessing, the celebration of the Father. But you, that attitude is no more lost than the person was like, hey, I am out of here. I don't want anything to do with you because the heart of the Father was never about the one that stayed having earned it or the one that left having deserted it. But this really is not the parable of the prodigal son, right? It's the parable about the faithful father. The father that offered grace, the father that offered love, the father that offered favor, the father that offered blessing to both sons. The father whose love was there for either son, no matter if they stayed and tried to do all the right things, or left and then returned on the way home. See, here's the implication for us is that when we consider as a Jesus community the ministry of Jesus to seek and to save that which was lost we must consider this is that we are all lost we are all desperately hopelessly and fully in need of the seeking and the saving that Jesus offers to us. That the ministry of Jesus to seek and save that which was lost is for you and is for me and is for everyone. You know what, the rea- you know what a, real, a real true reality is? is? That some of you are better at hiding how lost you are than others. Some of you are just really good at hiding how lost you are. You're really good at hiding how desperately you are in need of Jesus to change everything in your life. And some of us are not very good at it. Some of us wear our brokenness all out on our sleeve, all of the time, and it's kind of like all out there, right? And we're the lost ones, right? And the ones that are put together over here are being like, can you believe, can you believe them? Can you believe them? Such a hot mess all the time. <laughs> well, I got news for you, right? I got news for you. <laughs> You're lost too. You are lost. They are lost. We are all lost. Jesus wants to find us all. And after Jesus finds us, Right? After Jesus finds us, he does something with us. Right? And this is, this is a 
this is a light, like it's a lifelong step. And it's a progressive step, and it's one that will, it's a path that we're always on, and we call this, we, we call this discipleship. I know this is like this big Christian word, right? Discipleship, right? But you think of it in this way, that, that Jesus, um, Jesus had, we all know, Jesus had 12 disciples, and these guys that, they, they, they followed him around, and and they listened to all his teaching, and they were constantly saying dumb things, and they never got the answers right, and like what sounds kind of a lot like us, right? right? And, and when we talk about discipleship, right, we talk about the, um, the work of the, like, the one who has been found and saved by Jesus to now walk with Jesus to learn from Jesus, to experience the life of Jesus, and to be continually and gradually and always becoming a follower of Jesus. And we say here at Conduit that we have one job as a church. We have one job as a Jesus community. And that job is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay? Here's, th- these, these are really important distinctions, okay? It has never been a church's job to save you. Did you hear that? Okay? It has never been my job to save you. It will never be Pastor Luke's job to save you. It will never be the church's job to save anyone. That job has already been filled. Okay, Jesus came to seek and save those of us, all of us, who were lost. The saving comes as Jesus' job. right? But then he says, hey look, Go and make disciples. So once Jesus saves you, now it becomes the community's job to walk with you as you become closer and closer and closer to Jesus. Raising up disciples is the primary work of the church. The primary work of the Jesus community. Of course, we... Know this, Jesus said this explicitly in Matthew chapter 28. I think I've shared with you several times that as a pastor I've had the honor um, to sit on, sit on many deathbeds. Okay? And, um, and there is a, a heaviness and a weight to the last words that a person says. And you, um, you usually do not want to ignore those. Right? Because if I knew that I only had you know, one more thing to say, I'd make it darn good. Right? And, and in this, this last discussion with Jesus' disciples, he says this. He says, all authority, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Jesus establishing his, um, his sovereignty, his authority over all on heaven and earth. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded to you and I am with and I surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so the work that Jesus gave those who had been like sought and then saved was to go to all of the other places where people were being saved, right? And make disciples of them, teaching them all of the things of Jesus, walking with them in, in intimate relationships so as, that they, as, they were, as they walked in their relationship with Jesus, they were discipled as well. Probably a major distinctive of the work that we do here at Conduit is... Um, proactively believing that what Jesus says when he says go and make disciples is actually what he meant. Go and make them. Emphasis on go. Because at some time, in some way, shape, or form, we have, we have fallen into a rut of sit and wait for pre-disciples to come to you and then help them. Just sit tight. Hold on. And just wait. Right? Oh, the, the distinctive there is very clear. Don't sit and wait. Okay? Go and make them. Go and make them in all of the places that you can find them. Go and make them in all the nations that you can find them. Go and make them in all of the languages that you can find them. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So making them a disciple means to being a disciple, modeling your life after Jesus. Learning in intimate contact with them. We make disciples of Jesus. Our job is not to make, disciple, make disciples of ourselves. Our job is not to make disciples of of conduit. Our job is not to make disciples of the church in general. Our job is to make disciples of Jesus. And we do this in the context of community. We do this in the context of togetherness. We call that gospel community. Oh, there is, um, there's probably oh, I would say at least three more sermons here in this sermon, um, or three more things, at least three more sermons that I would like to um, that I would like to preach on in this. But for both sake of time and sake of brevity, um, I'll say a few more things, and then we'll end for th- end for the day. So. Our number one core value is that, is that Jesus is everything and the gospel changes it all, right? That Jesus comes to seek and save those who are lost. We're all lost, right? each in our own places, right? That, that, Jesus, that Jesus saves us. I don't save you. The church doesn't save you, right? You don't save you. Jesus saves you. 
right? And then it becomes the community in which you were saved or to which you were saved. It becomes their primary responsibility to then um, disciple you in the context of community to Jesus himself. So that, so that the life of Jesus is modeled, that the teachings of Jesus are taught, that the life that Jesus lived becomes the life that you and I seek to live. And it's all done within the context of community. And then once we are, have been, and are being discipled, Jesus says, okay, and, you know, like we've reached the end. We did a good job. Thanks for playing the game. It's all over. But now he starts the loop over again, right? And he sends us out to proclaim the message in the gospel of Jesus Christ so that through the power of the Holy Spirit, others may be saved through the witness and testimony of our saving. And we have said this, and we'll say it again, and we'll say it again, and we'll say it again. One of our primary core values, besides Jesus is everything, right? Besides the importance of the um, making of disciples, besides the importance of the go- a gospel community, is that we live on mission here at Conduit. That at the heart of who Conduit is, is a, we have a, what we call a missional focus, meaning that we don't believe that Jesus saved us so that we could sit and wait for him to save other people. Because each one of you, right, are likely in this room through the faithfulness of others being on mission for Jesus at some point, at some time, or in some way. And this is rooted into uh, the very, like, the very uh, DNA of God's character, even. That, that, that God was setting aside a people. That God, that God was setting aside a, a community, right? To, to be the ones that carried his life, essentially. His, his love. His blessing into the world around them. When Jesus came to Abram in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he said, he came to to Abram, the father of the Israelite nation, and he said this, Hey, Abram, hey, you don't know me, but I I am the God of all that there is. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. It's a... Really detailed explanation of where to go, right? Um, Go to the land that I will show you. And in the process of doing that, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And and, And God, in that moment, establishes begins to establish what we later come to know as the Israelite nation or the Israelite people. And they, for all time, even to this very day, have been called God's people. Right? And they're like, well, wow, wow, why did, how did they get so lucky? 
How did, how did they get the, the extra special favor and blessing of God? And no one, How did they get to be called God's people, but no one else did? Well, if we go back to when it happened, we realize that God set the Israelite nation apart not to be just receivers of special blessing and everyone else could go pound salt. Right? But that God was establishing and setting apart or pulling aside a group of people and saying, hey, look, it is through you that I intend to bless everyone. It is through, it is through you that you are going to become a conduit of blessing to the whole world, to every nation, right? And I, we might be sitting here thinking like, well, thank goodness we're not Jewish, right? Because we're off the hook now. Well, it doesn't take very long reading in the New Testament to see that the entire ministry of the Apostle Paul, who wrote roughly two-thirds of the New Testament, is about proclaiming this reality, is that the same salvation that came to the Jewish people is now available to the Gentile people through faith in Jesus Christ. And he went so far as to say, he's like, hey, you, you believers in Jesus, you followers of Jesus, you have been engrafted as a branch is grafted into a tree into the family of God's people. So you are no longer two separate people, Jews over here, Gentiles over here, separated by this thing. But in Jesus Christ, the two have become one. This is Ephesians chapter 2. He says this. He says, therefore... Remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who, them, who, themselves, uh, who called themselves the circumcision, remember that at that time you were, you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were foreigners to the covenant um, of the promise. And you were without hope in God to the world. That's like, like Paul, was, Paul was proclaiming the reality of the Jewish people being the people of God, right? He said, like, that's, that's what you were, Gentiles. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Coming down into verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Listen. Listen to me. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are engrafted into the family and plan of God to carry the presence of God, the favor of God, the blessing of God to every nation in every person, every people, every ethnicity, every language, everyone becomes a receiver of what God is wanting to do in the world through those who believe by faith in Jesus Christ. And because we believe that, and because it's rooted in Scripture, we then, at Conduit, take this very simple approach. We will embrace any and every creative way that we can to get people close 
to Jesus. Because it's who we are. It's what God has asked us to do. It's the identity that God has for us. It may look like taking over laundromats across the city. It may look like having a food truck and riding around the city just feeding people. It may look like very unconventional methods to incarnate the love of Jesus any and everywhere we go. But listen, convention has got us nowhere and never saved anyone. Because listen, we do not exist simply to provide people with a better church user experience. Like, oh no, we want you to come to Conduit because we have the best coffee and we have the nicest people and we have the, um, the, uh, the most exciting kids program and, and we, have, we have pallet wood up on our walls which means we're more trendy than everyone else, right? Like, like trying to make it like, well, we really have to convince people that we're the best, the coolest place to be. Listen, I... I could use bad language here. I could give a crap about making it a better user experience so that you don't want to go to another church somewhere. That is, because you know what? Because that is not why we exist. (laughs) And that is not the goal. And that is not in line with our number one core value. And with my number one core value is that this is a Jesus community and I am all about proclaiming to you that the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to change your life. Pallotwood can't do that. A cool church can't do that. A really good-looking pastor can't do that, although it helps, okay? No, only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. We will not compete with other churches for your attention or your affection. I will not do it, all right? It does not matter to me how we compare to any other church. There are dozens of great churches in the area, right? And I can name them all for you. And I would love for you to be there, right? I would love for you to be here. What I would really love is for you to say, I am ready to say no more to trying to make my life work by myself, but I am ready to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And if this is a place where you feel like you can do that, and you, and you, you want to be a part of the community, then hey man, I am like all in on the game. Like, and we'll be in your corner until Jesus returns. Listen, we do try to do things nice. <laughs> and well here, okay? But it's not because we're trying to convince you to stay. We do things the way that we do things because we think it's just a good expression of love. Like it's a way for us to love you. It's a way for us to care for your kids. It's a way for us to show that, you know, we, we love that you're here and we want to be hospitable to you and we want to, be, we want to serve you while we're here but we don't do it in order to convince you to stay. We do it because when you love someone, you try to take care of them in all the best ways that you possibly can. And we love you. 
And we love you if you're far from Jesus, and we love you if you're really close to Jesus. But listen, if we just win you to conduit, but fail to disciple you to Jesus, we have failed, no matter how full our building is. If we've won you to this place, but we've not discipled you to Jesus, we've failed. My heart, the heart of conduit, will always be number one among all other things, getting you closer to Jesus. And then being like this, get out there and make other people closer to Jesus, right? <laughs> like kicking you out the door, right? To get other people closer to Jesus. That is the heart of this ministry. That is the heart of your pastor. That is the heart of the gospel, right? Know this. Uh, worship team, you can come back up. Uh, know this. Um, you, you are loved. You are loved by your heavenly Father. You are loved by me. You are loved by these people. You have been prayed for. You're talking, talking about you've never even met me. You're right. You're right. And I've been praying for you. I've been praying that every man, woman, and child that walks through these doors on this day would be drawn not to conduit, but would be drawn to Jesus. And that the Holy Spirit of God may be working in your heart and life, even in these very moments when you were not expecting it. You came with a friend because you thought that was the nice thing to do. They promised you Starbucks. Maybe they did it. Maybe they didn't. I don't care, but guess what? They got you here so that you could hear that you are loved, and this is a place that you can belong and that this is a place that you will be embraced no matter how far away you feel from God or no matter how close you feel to God. That arm in arm, hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder, our intent is to love you and bring you closer to Jesus every, with every breath that we have, every waking moment that we can muster, every dollar that we can leverage. It doesn't matter what it takes. We will embrace every, absolutely every method to get you closer to Jesus. And then we'll all go, and then we'll do it again. And then we'll do it again. And we'll do it again and again and again and again and again until, until Jesus comes back. Or I'm gone from this earth. Um, let me pray over us this morning. And if you are one of those people <laughs> who I was describing as having tried it all. Every tweak to your life, every small decision, every little, I just got to figure out the details to get things right and things will change and I'm going to be better and I'm going to feel better. But you're, you're, you're feeling this morning that, the, that the, the, the Holy Spirit is speaking into your life saying that no, no Jesus is actually the answer that you've been missing. Jesus is actually the thing that you've been missing. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus, Jesus is the life that 
you've been missing. And if you're, if you're ready, if you're ready to walk away from every other attempt that you have, that you have had in this life to try and make sense out of your brokenness, to try and make sense out of your strength, to try and make sense out of your story, if you're ready to be done with that, Jesus is ready to start the next chapter for you. And we, as a community, are ready to walk with you in that decision. I'm going to pray over you now. If you would like to confess that that is your decision this morning, if you would like to take the next steps in your, in your walk, in your discipleship, in your journey with Jesus this morning, myself, Pastor Luke, would love to pray over you, would love to pray for you, would love to welcome you into this Jesus community this morning. And we will be up front here as these last, uh, as this last, uh, we're singing this last song. And if you want to be, if you would, would, would like to, to receive that this morning, and if you would like to take that step, come up to this side over here, and Pastor Luke and myself and Bryce and others will be here and be willing and ready to receive and pray for you and to love on you and to accept you. Of course, the altar is always open, like I said. I never know if you want to be prayed for or prayed with. And so if you do, just come up to this side over here and, um, and we will pray for you. Let's join in prayer. Let's stand and join in prayer and then we'll open up the altar for prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that you would move upon Move upon the hearts of every man, woman, and child this morning. That as they account for their trust in you, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself. Heavenly Father, we pray that every brokenness, every darkness, Lord, every whole, that we have come to accept as just normal in our lives. Lord, that no matter where we find ourselves in relationship with you, that you would witness, that your spirit would witness to our spirit that the gospel of Jesus Christ answers it all, changes it all. Lord, that we would come to a place of trust, of surrender, Lord. Not to our own ways, Lord, but to yours. In Jesus' name, amen.